Part One of Mopsa the Fairy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Noel Badrian. Mopsa the Fairy by Jean Ingelow. Chapter One Above the Clouds and can this be my own world tis all gold and snow save where scarlet waves are hurled down yon gulf below tis thy world tis my world city mead and shore for he that hath his own world hath many worlds more a boy whom i knew very well was once going through a meadow which was full of buttercups the nurse and his baby sister were with him, and when they got to an old hawthorn which grew in the hedge and was covered with blossom, they all sat down in its shade, and the nurse took out three slices of plum cake, gave one to each of the children, and kept one for herself. While the boy was eating, he observed that this hedge was very high and thick, and that there was a great hollow in the trunk of the old thorn tree and he heard a twittering as if there was a nest somewhere inside so he thrust his head in twisted himself round and looked up it was a very great thorn tree and the hollow was so large that two or three boys could have stood upright in it and when he got used to the dim light in that brown still place he saw that a good way above his head there was a nest rather a curious one too for it was as large as a pair of blackbirds would have built and yet it was made of fine white wool and delicate bits of moss in short it was like a goldfinch's nest magnified three times just then he thought he heard some little voices cry jack jack his baby sister was asleep and the nurse was reading a story-book so it could not have been either of them who called i must get in there said the boy i wish this hole was larger so he began to wriggle and twist himself through and just as he pulled in his last foot he looked up and three heads which had been peeping over the edge of the nest suddenly popped down again those heads had no beaks i'm sure said jack and he stood on tiptoe and poked in one of his fingers and the things have no feathers he continued so the hollow being rather rugged he managed to climb up and look in his eyes were not used yet to the dim light but he was sure those things were not birds no he poked them and they took no notice but when he snatched one of them out of the nest it gave a loud squeak and said oh don't jack as plainly as possible upon which he was so frightened that he lost his footing dropped the thing and slipped down himself luckily he was not hurt nor the thing either he could see it quite plainly now it was creeping about rather like an old baby and had on a little frock and pinafore it's a fairy exclaimed jack to himself how curious and this must be a fairy's nest oh how angry the old mother will be if this little thing creeps away and gets out of the hole so he looked down 
oh the hole is on the other side he said and he turned round but the hole was not on the other side it was not on any side it must have closed up all on a sudden while he was looking into the nest for look whichever way he would there was no hole at all excepting a very little one high up over the nest which let in a very small sunbeam jack was very much astonished but he went on eating his cake and was so delighted to see the young fairy climb up the side of the hollow and scramble again into her nest that he laughed heartily upon which all the nestlings popped up their heads and showing their pretty white teeth pointed at the slice of cake well said jack i may have to stay inside here for a long time and i have nothing to eat but this cake however your mouths are very small so you shall have a piece and he broke off a small piece and put it into the nest climbing up to see them eat it the young fairies were a long time dividing and munching the cake and before they had finished it began to be rather dark for a black cloud came over and covered the little sunbeam at the same time the wind rose and rocked the boughs and made the old tree creak and tremble then there was thunder and rain and the little fairies were so frightened that they got out of the nest and crept into jack's pockets one got into each waistcoat pocket and the other two were very comfortable for he took out his handkerchief and made room for them in the pocket of his jacket it got darker and darker till at last jack could only just see the hole and it seemed to be a very long way off every time he looked at it it was farther off and at last he saw a thin crescent moon shining through it i'm sure it cannot be night yet he said and he took out one of the fattest of the young fairies and held it up towards the hole look at that said he what is to be done now the hole is so far off that it's night up there and down here i haven't done eating my lunch well answered the young fairy then why don't you whistle jack was surprised to hear her speak in this sensible manner and in the light of the moon he looked at her very attentively when first i saw you in the nest said he you had a pinafore on and now you have a smart little apron with lace round it that is because i am much older now said the fairy we never take such a long time to grow up as you do but your pinafore said jack turned into an apron of course replied the fairy just as your velvet jacket will turn into a tail-coat when you are old enough it won't said jack yes it will answered the fairy with an air of superior wisdom don't argue with me i am older now than you are nearly grown up in fact put me into your pocket again and whistle as loudly as you can jack laughed put her in and pulled out another worse and worse he said why this was a boy fairy and now he has a moustache and a sword and looks as fierce as possible i think i heard my sister tell you to whistle said the fairy very sternly yes she did said jack well i suppose i had better do it so he whistled very loudly indeed why did you leave off so soon said another of them peeping out why if you wish to know answered jack 
it was because i thought something took hold of my legs ridiculous child cried the last of the four how do you think you are ever to get out if she doesn't take hold of your legs jack thought he would rather have done a long division sum than have been obliged to whistle but he could not help doing it when they told him and he felt something take hold of his legs again and then give him a jerk which hoisted him on to its back where he sat astride and wondered whether the thing was a pony but it was not for he presently observed that it had a very slender neck and then that it was covered with feathers it was a large bird and he presently found that they were rising towards the hole which had become so very far off and in a few minutes she dashed through the hole with jack on her back and all the fairies in his pockets it was so dark that he could see nothing and he twined his arms round the bird's neck to hold on upon which this agreeable fowl told him not to be afraid and said she hoped he was comfortable i should be more comfortable replied jack if i knew how i could get home again i don't wish to go home just yet for i want to see where we are flying to but papa and mamma will be frightened if i never do oh no replied the albatross for she was an albatross you need not be at all afraid about that when boys go to fairyland their parents never are uneasy about them really exclaimed jack quite true replied the albatross and so we are going to fairyland exclaimed jack how delightful yes said the albatross the back way mind we are only going the back way you could go in two minutes by the usual route but these young fairies want to go before they are summoned and therefore you and i are taking them and she continued to fly on in the dark sky for a very long time they seem to be all fast asleep said jack perhaps they will sleep till we come to the wonderful river replied the albatross and just then she flew with a great bump against something that met her in the air what craft is this that hangs out no light said a gruff voice i might ask the same question of you answered the albatross sullenly i am only a poor will-o'-the-wisp replied the voice and you know very well that i have but a lantern to show whereupon a lantern became visible and jack saw by the light of it a man who looked old and tired and he was so transparent that you could see through him lantern and all i hope i have not hurt you william said the albatross i will light up immediately good night good night answered the will-o'-the-wisp i am going down as fast as i can the storm blew me up and i am never easy excepting in my native swamps jack might have taken more notice of will if the albatross had not begun to light up she did it in this way first one of her eyes began to gleam with a beautiful green light which cast its rays far and near and then when it was as bright as a lamp the other eye began to shine and the light of that eye was red in short she was lighted up just like a vessel at sea 
Jack was so happy that he hardly knew which to look at first. There really were so many remarkable things. They snore, said the albatross. They are very fast asleep, and before they wake I should like to talk to you a little. She meant that the fairies snored, and so they did in Jack's pockets. My name, continued the albatross, is Jenny. Do you think you shall remember that? Because when you are in fairyland and want someone to take you home again and call Jenny, I shall be able to come to you, and I shall come with pleasure, for I like boys better than fairies. Thank you, said Jack. Oh, yes, I shall remember your name. It's such a very easy one. If it is in the night that you want me, just look up continued the albatross and you will see a green and red spark moving in the air you will then call jenny and i will come but remember that i cannot come unless you do call me very well said jack but he was not attending because there was so much to be seen in the first place all the stars excepting a few large ones were gone and they looked frightened and as it got lighter one after the other seemed to give a little start in the blue sky and go out and then jack looked down and saw as he thought a great country covered with very jagged snow mountains with astonishingly sharp peaks here and there he saw a very deep lake at least he thought it was a lake but while he was admiring the mountains there came an enormous crack between two of the largest and he saw the sun come rolling up among them and it seemed to be almost smothered why those are clouds exclaimed jack and oh how rosy they have all turned i thought they were mountains yes they are clouds said the albatross and then they turned gold colour and next they began to plunge and tumble and every one of the peaks put on a glittering crown and next they broke themselves to pieces and began to drift away in fact jack had been out all night and now it was morning chapter two captain jack it has been our lot to sail with many captains not one of whom is fit to be a patch on your back letter of the ship's company of h m s s royalist to captain w t bate all this time the albatross kept dropping down and down like a stone till jack was quite out of breath and they fell or flew whichever you like to call it straight through one of the great chasms which he had thought were lakes and he looked down as he sat on the bird's back to see what the world is like when you hang a good way above it at sunrise it was a very beautiful sight the sheep and lambs were still fast asleep on the green hills and the sea-birds were asleep in long rows upon the ledges of the cliffs with their heads under their wings are those young fairies awake yet asked the albatross as sound asleep as ever answered jack but albatross is not that the sea which lies under us you are a sea-bird i know but i am not a sea-boy and i cannot live in the water yes that is the sea answered the albatross don't you observe that it is covered with ships 
i see boats and vessels answered jack and all their sails are set but they cannot sail because there is no wind the wind never does blow in this great bay said the bird and those ships would all lie there becalmed till they dropped to pieces if one of them was not wanted now and then to go up the wonderful river but how did they come there asked jack some of them had captains who ill-used their cabin boys some were pirate ships and others were going out on evil errands the consequence was that when they chanced to sail within this great bay they got becalmed the fairies came and picked all the sailors out and threw them into the water they then took away the flags and pennons to make their best coats of threw the ship's biscuit and other provisions to the fishes and set all the sails many ships which are supposed by men to have foundered lie becalmed in this quiet sea look at those five grand ones with high prows they are moored close together they were part of the spanish armada and those open boats with blue sails belonged to the romans they sailed with caesar when he invaded britain by this time the albatross was hovering about among the vessels making choice of one to take jack and the fairies up the wonderful river it must not be a large one she said for the river in some places is very shallow jack would have liked very much to have a fine three-master all to himself but then he considered that he did not know anything about sails and rigging he thought it would be just as well to be contented with whatever the albatross might choose so he let her set him down in a beautiful little open boat with a great carved figurehead on it there he seated himself in great state and the albatross perched herself on the next bench and faced him you remember my name asked the albatross oh yes said jack but he was not attending he was thinking what a fine thing it was to have such a curious boat all to himself that's well answered the bird then in the next place are those fairies awake yet no they are not said jack and he took them out of his pockets and laid them down in a row before the albatross they are certainly asleep said the bird put them away again and take care of them mind you don't lose any of them for i really don't know what will happen if you do now i have one thing more to say to you and that is are you hungry rather said jack then replied the albatross as soon as you feel very hungry lie down in the bottom of the boat and go to sleep you will dream that you see before you a roasted fowl some new potatoes and an apple pie mind you don't eat too much in your dream or you will be sorry for it when you wake that is all good-bye i must go jack put his arms round the neck of the bird and hugged her then she spread her magnificent wings and sailed slowly away at first he felt very lonely but in a few minutes he forgot that because the little boat began to swim so fast she was not sailing for she had no sail and he was not rowing for he had no oars so i am obliged to call her motion swimming because i don't know of a better word 
in less than a quarter of an hour they passed close under the bows of a splendid three-decker a seventy-gun ship the gannets who lived in those parts had taken possession of her and she was so covered with nests that you could not have walked one step on her deck without treading on them the father birds were aloft in the rigging or swimming in the warm green sea and they made such a clamour when they saw jack that they nearly woke the fairies nearly but not quite for the little things turned round in jack's pockets and sneezed and began to snore again then the boat swam past a fine brig some sea fairies had just flung her cargo overboard and were playing at leapfrog on deck these were not at all like jack's own fairies they were about the same height and size as himself and they had brown faces and red flannel shirts and red caps on a large fleet of the pearly nautilus was collected close under the vessel's lee the little creatures were feasting on what the sea fairies had thrown overboard and jack's boat in its eagerness to get on went plunging through them so roughly that several were capsized upon this the brown sea fairies looked over and called out angrily boat ahoy and the boat stopped tell that boat of yours to mind what she is about said the fairy sea captain to jack jack touched his cap and said yes sir and then called out to his boat you ought to be ashamed of yourself running down these little live fishing vessels so carelessly go at a more gentle pace so it swam more slowly and jack being by this time hungry curled himself up in the bottom of the boat and fell asleep he dreamed directly about a fowl and some potatoes and he ate a wing and then he ate a merry thought and then somebody said to him that he had better not eat any more but he did he ate another wing and presently an apple pie came and he ate some of that and then he ate some more and then he immediately woke now that bird told me not to eat too much said jack and yet i've done it i never felt so full in my life and for more than half an hour he scarcely noticed anything at last he lifted up his head and saw straight before him two great brown cliffs and between them flowed in the wonderful river other rivers flow out but this river flowed in and took with it far into the land dolphins swordfish mullet sunfish and many other strange creatures and that is one reason why it was called the magic river or the wonderful river at first it was rather wide and jack was alarmed to see what multitudes of soldiers stood on either side to guard the banks and prevent any person from landing he wondered how he should get the fairies on shore however in about an hour the river became much narrower and then jack saw that the guards were not real soldiers but rose-coloured flamingos there they stood in long regiments among the reeds and never stirred they are the only foot soldiers the fairies have in their pay they are very fierce and never allow anything but a fairy ship to come up the river they guarded the banks for miles and miles many thousands of them standing a little way into the water among the flags and rushes 
but at last there were no more reeds and no soldier guards for the stream became narrower and flowed between such steep rocks that no one could possibly have climbed them end of part one